Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days. Boy, oh boy, are we going to have a fun episode today. Uh, I'm jazzed up. If, if you guys know me, you oh, guys know how jazzed much. jazzed up. Look I, at that Utah. Yeah. Oh, this is um, this is a Starstock <laughs> episode, so we're going to keep it the Starstock. And believe me when I say, the way we open up is going to tie in to Starstock and why I believe in the platform so much, specifically for raw cards. But what we got to start off with VGS shutting down, quote unquote, for the foreseeable future. And... I think uh, you've been saying this all along. You've been saying this. The raw card market is an opportunity to be exploited. I mean, PSA and BGS are shut down. Think about that, guys. Think about if at the beginning of COVID, you could have predicted all of the adversity that happened in the sports card hobby and the economy. Instead, a 180, sports cards are in a boom. Everything's going right. And the two biggest grading companies decide to shut down, not because they're out of business, but because they have too much capacity, they didn't expect this much demand and they want to catch up on the backlog. What a, what a twist of fate, Cage. Is this, are, are we living in like a twilight zone? Well, listen, you know, if, uh, if Amazon Prime and Netflix shut down their streaming services for a month to make sure that they got all their delivery right and you name and the whole deal, you would think that, you know, it could go one of two ways. One, they come back and they're bigger, stronger, better. They got, you know, their bandwidth is is right. They got their content on point and it's just a, a better service and that their brand loyalists will, will be okay with the hiatus uh, from, their, from their stuff because they know the product is going to be better going forward and everything's going to be fine. But the other side of the spectrum is, you know, you would think that somebody has got to fill that void, right? You know, there's a saying, nature abhors a vacuum. Right. And basically, when when something like that happens, you know, it is room for other brands, other models, other plays. Right. I think that's part of what you're talking about with Starstock. It's the reason why we see so many other grading companies come out there. It's the reason why we've seen, you know, um, eBay trying to, you know, fix their model a little bit. They came out with, you know, um, you know, some new rules today that favor sellers a little bit more. Um, you know, they still have return issues and whatnot, but this was like bid retraction issues and stuff like that. So even they're tightening the screws a little bit on, uh, you know, on sports card, the sports card category. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I don't want to say anything bad at all because here's the, the – I'm going to give all of these companies the I benefit will. of – Well, you can, but I'm going to give all these companies the benefit of the doubt that they're doing this so that the long-term product for the consumers is better. I'm going to say that PSA shutting down to – get their backlog up and to you know eventually open up the product will be better than it was before and that they're able to actually you know get up to speed and and do what they need to do i'm i'm gonna assume and benefit of the doubt that it's the same thing with bgs as well and that in the long term we'll all be better for it you have a different take uh yeah drastically different specifically from bgs uh let me read this to you. Okay, so I hope this letter finds you well as the world tries to get back to pre-COVID days. Beckett has intentionally been quiet over the last few months. That is not because we've had nothing to say or no reason to be proud. We could have been bragging about keeping our services fully open to the public without a price increase. Um, you increase prices. Andrew I remember you increased prices. He's forgotten. No, no, no. I, I stopped right there. <laughs> So you, they, I, I submitted my cards June 20th. Dude, your burrito, your burrito's oh. ready in the microwave. That's my hot take. Uh, that's oh. my hot take. I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, June 20th. And right before that, they increased prices. So that's a blatant lie. Beckett did increase prices. Why would I believe them ev- anything they say? Um, I don't know. I think they're – dude. Listen, my take on Beckett, again, you know, I'm not going to fault people 
for trying to stem the tide and figuring out a way to try to, you know, right the ship. So I, you know, I have no issue with this. I guess I'm bold cotton. You've been in a bold strategy cotton, right? It's a bold strategy cotton. Let's see how it plays out, right? Is is that from? uh, Let's let's take this a different direction. You've been in the hobby for a long time. Yes. It doesn't seem to surprise you that these companies play like this game of smoke and mirrors. To me, it's surprising. But what's the smoke and mirrors? Dude, can we just say right on its face that maybe part of this is just that they they have seen a groundswell of demand that is so much over the last year or so that nobody could have predicted, no one could have expected it. And then when you layer on the fact that Beckett is likely the biggest beneficiary right now of PSA closing down. So in addition to this 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 huge influx of cards being graded over the last year, they've also been hit over the last couple of months with probably a lot of overflow. Now, not everything that would have went to PSA, but a lot of overflow that people don't have a PSA option. They're now, you know, shifting to BGS to Beckett, and you know, it's kind of like that waterfall, right? The little like a little fountain, you know, like a little staircase down. All right, well. PSA's closed and Beckett's closed, right? So now Beckett just showed you that they couldn't handle that volume either, right? Because they're closing down. So what's next? Is this going to shift now to SGC? Is it going to shift now to HGA? Or, you know, or, you know, where is this grading going to go? Or I believe I'm trying to read the tea leaves here. You know, you talk about the tea. I'm trying to read the tea leaves here. Maybe your thought is a company like Starstock is going to get raw because people are just going to not grade I'll pivot away from hating on Beckett. I, I see. What, I agree. There's no benefit in hating on Beckett. Well, it's not. Uh, listen, I don't. I guess I was just yet, jazzed right? up. I, I was. I was hoping we would gang up on Beckett and like spend 15 minutes of this episode just bashing yeah, them. But, but you're actually right. There's no benefit in that. I don't know, but it's it's still even less that. Like I I don't know. I, we're never gonna know, right? We, unless Beckett calls us tonight, we can put this episode on hold and says, "Come look at our factory." And we got on a plane and we flew there and we saw just these these. Just stacks and stacks of stuff that have come in. Unless they tell us the numbers, unless they say, guys, look, we were perfectly fine. We would have been great. But you know what? Over the last two months, we got more in the last two months than we got in the six months before it. We just have to do this. It's a drastic measure for any business to close their doors. And think about it. They stayed open during this entire thing. PSA had to close down, right? Beckett stayed open. They were taking their cards. For it to close now, what is that telling you? You know, it's telling you, wow, like we, we weren't prepared. Like maybe they should have prepared is what you're saying because they saw PSA happen to close down too. So they, but but it begs the question. And it's the point you always bring up in the grading. It's not like on every corner of Texas is a, a seasoned twenty year experience grader who has the expertise and the technical you know uh, wherewithal to grade cards, right? It's not like you can just pick up somebody from Chipotle and say, hey, grade the subgrades on this. So. It's tough, man. So, it's so tough. you're saying give them the benefit of the doubt. What do they st- stand to gain from this? And I, I guess I, – I don't know. I, I just – I don't understand what, what's so difficult for these companies to process. Uh, may, maybe it is that they just don't have the, the employees. But they say here that they have been keeping our service fully open and should have been boastful, boastful about increasing the number of new employees we have hired. So they've hired new employees, but yet they're still shutting down. I guess – to me, it's not about maybe Beckett. It's just like losing confidence in great in these traditional grading companies, the grading companies that have done things the same way for a very long time without adapting new new measures. I guess maybe that's, that's what it is. It's, it's confusing to me. It just feels like if you're a business, you should want more more demand. When there's more demand, you close shop. It, it's contrary to everything that I understand from a business perspective. I, well, I, I mean, just listen. and I understood P- PSA because PSA was the breadwinner. Everything went to PSA, but I, I don't think that much stuff goes to BGS anymore. Maybe well, maybe wrong. maybe it changed. And listen, you know, it's adapt or die. So if your point is that the, the old way of doing business isn't going to work now, that's fine. What I would counter with is these guys have probably seen peaks and valleys. They've probably seen up periods where there's an increased demand, followed by a down period where there's decreased demand, and it's difficult to man up. And, and staff up and get a million more people and, and get ready for all these cards, right? Because they probably have seen it before. And then they get huge, huge, you know, staff, employees, ready to rock, and maybe another location. And then as they're building up and they're spending more money, the demand drops off the cliff. 
They probably have seen this in cycles before. And that's difficult because you have to balance that as a business, right? You can't just like, oh, let me get huge because I know maybe this tidal wave of grading is not going to continue. And now they've gotten a huge spend. They've built up their staff. They've gotten more space, you name it. And the amount of cards coming in drop off and what? They got to lay people off then. And it's like a whole thing, right? So it's a difficult balance that they have to strike. Um, you know, right now, the only thing I'll say, look, HGA, you know, keeping it to 8,500 cards for their submission. They, you know, they, they discussed that today. They're the, they have the benefit of seeing how this glut of cards that have come in, what, what it will do if you just open your door and say, all right, we'll take in as many as we can, right? Because what Beckett has found out is that more is going to come in than they expected, obviously. That's the only reason you close down. The only reason why they close down is that that means they have more than they can handle presently. PSA had more than they could handle. They had to get the backlog and fix it. The only way to fix that going forward is to make sure you only take in what you can handle. And right now, only HGA is doing that. I promised you guys that at the beginning of this episode, it would be worth your time. So here are my <laughs> plays. Oh, This 2021 class has been completely forgotten. Just completely forgotten. Outside of LaMelo and Edwards, no one's even looking. And guys, don't for, we don't forget, this is a Star Stack episode. We're about to get into the Star Stack data. But I want to bring you something that I think is going to be interesting. You could get guys like uh, IQ, quickly, his Star Stack A, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halliburton. These kind of what were considered second tier. And I'm talking about the Prism card, the Prism Star Stack A cards as well. You get them on Star Stack cheap. You get quickly cards for 19 bucks. So that's my play. It's very basic. And it, it ties into the fact that the two places, sure, SGC is is uh, is taking you know cards now and HGA is coming up, but it has to do with the two big grading companies being closed. I think you're gonna see more and more and more of these cards flood to eBay, raw cards flood to eBay, flood to Starstock. And I think if you wait a little bit, you're gonna be able to get some really, really cheap raw cards. In good condition. And why I like Starstock is because you're going to be able to see the condition of the card or at least some kind of condition of the card. Can I tell you something? Just a, an observation. So I think Starstock, I think they might be the better play for graded um, just because you don't have to worry. See, eBay's changing bid retractions and eBay still has problems with returns. And, you know, somebody believes in Trey Young now and wants to gamble. I saw a bet that, uh, you know, oh, the Hawks are going to win the whole championship. Somebody put down an MGM. If somebody believes that Trey's going to take them really far in the playoffs, they could buy a Trey card right now. If I'm holding a Trey card right now, I want it in Starstock. I don't want it in eBay. Because, if, you know, that that person who's looking to bet on Trey, they're betting on Trey when they buy from Starstock, right? And if Trey loses this round or the next, I'm not going to get an email saying, here you go, it's back, you know, sorry, there was a problem with the case. You know, I'm not going to get one of those Fugazi response returns from eBay. Um, and Starstock beats that. And here's the, the why I think Starstock is, is a better place for slabs than for Raw. And the Raw is great. I understand what you're saying. Especially on Prism, it's a perfect thing because a lot of people didn't grade those. So I love yep. your play because it's exactly what you should use Starstock for. Like, I'm saying slabs. Slabs works. But those Prism cards, there's not that many of them in slabs. People weren't grading any of those. They're not paying $300 for a PSA 10 of a Halliburton. Not paying P it doesn't matter. You get a PSA 11, you start getting $300 grading feedback, right? So, so I And you know it. how many people out there are only PSA or BGS and grade nothing else, like just out of a point of pride? Yep. And they're ripping these Prism. And I'm talking about just this year's NBA Prism class. Specifically, that's my point. They're ripping them. Like PSA is closed. Oh, now even BGS is closed. You're going to be able to get some really, really nice condition raw cards. And if you have a bit of patience, uh, I'm curious. I think uh, I think the market picks up at the end of the year. I think this draft class is a little bit underrated. I think they're going to have a much better second season. So I, I think you're going to get this on pennies on the dollar, so sometimes in the heart of summer. I like it. No, I mean, I do. So here's the one thing I will say, right? It would ho I would hope it would be either, you know, to, to hold in your collection or maybe grade one day when things kind of, you know, clear back up because I did go to a card show this week and I made a big deal about it. You know, I have some posts we've talked about it in a couple episodes now. Ian's case had rows of graded and then he brought, you know, a card saver box and he, you know, filled with raw stuff that we just haven't got a chance to grade yet. Some soccer, some Mason Greenwood, if he ever is allowed to play again, he's always injured off the Euro team. 
for England. He's off the English team for Euros. Are you are you, are you flexing your soccer knowledge? You read no, a headline. No, I'm just upset. Like, it's one of the few cages. guys. That I, it's one of the few guys I bought money. Uh, I put I put money into. So he's one of the few guys I follow. That I you know I actually bought some of his cards, and I'm like, this guy is he ever gonna play? Um, so he's good. He's good. Um, so I guess we'll see, right? I know he's very young, but point being, we had a bunch of them in our our box here. You know, some Mookie Betts Prism cards. You know, just all stuff that we were planning on sending to PSA. Pr- uh, Prism basketball rookies, some Wiseman, some Halliburton, you name it. And everyone that we showed to, you know, for like trading purposes, you name it, we would say, okay, this box has ungraded. Oh, I'm only looking for graded stuff. I'm only I'm only into the graded stuff. I only I only want to talk about graded. I only have graded. Right. I only want to trade for graded. Uh, you know. So um, this is yeah. a play from this is like a bro name type of play. You know how he likes to be ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. So to me, when everyone's looking at graded, you look at some sought after raw cards that when PSA because think about this, the reverse of this press release will happen. Yep. Sometimes like, and this is a good dovetail because I want to talk about the market and the market's getting crushed right now. And honestly, I think we're we're still we still haven't found a bottom. That's just my what own opinion. Market? The think, hobby market, the yeah, the crypto market, the hobby the market, market the hobby market. market. Okay. Right. No, the hobby market. The hobby market hasn't found a bottom. Like it's the, the star stock index is down this week as well, across the board. Yep. So so here, like like the NBA index is down six percent. MLB index is down nine percent. They're going to have an NFL index. But the point is, I don't think we found a bottom necessarily with uh, sports cards, and. But, but I think when you're in a period like this, it's hard. Like you forget that there's going to be tomorrow. The inverse of this is going to happen. There's going to be a time where PSA reopens and says, hey, we're accepting bulk submissions. We've, we're all caught up. Maybe this is November of this year. We're all caught up and we're expecting bulk submissions. And now you have a, a raw card that uh, of a good player, of, of the sought-after prism of Tyrese Maxey, of IQ, of Halliburton, of Wiseman. I mean, we talked about this class in general. It's, it's. Uh, we think it's going to be kind of like that Giannis test class, where someone from the top ten or top twenty is actually going to be the star. Uh, and you got these cards cheap in a down market, and now you could sub them at that low, low price again because it's going to happen. It will. Maybe it's six months. Maybe it's twelve months from now, but it will happen. Uh, so I think this is kind of being ahead of the curve. I love it, especially for this prism one. We've talked about this. This prism class, I think, is going to start to be the the other end of that bell curve you know what i mean because people just have no option really and, and if, if there are a lot of people with brand loyalty there's a lot of, a lot of people you know who will only agree with one company you're 100 right about that and i think saw stock is for many many reasons a very good option for this year's prism class and for so many other um for so many other um cl- cards right now so right. yeah a little less Listen. serious though we came on here a little serious i'll i'll, I'll have some well, more fun I you know you're upset man you know i get it and, and let me not poo poo it right because we're in this hobby right and day we are in it daily and when news like that comes out the news like that doesn't come out every day that is that is the number two grading company basically shutting their door so right now the top two companies in grading are not taking cards at at levels that the vast majority of people can submit at. I will not submit a PSA card for three hundred dollars. I just won't. And now, be now Beckett's closed. So, so yeah. I mean, that is to say it's newsworthy is is an understatement. It's a huge thing. And what's amazing about it, not the point I think you're trying to make, is this pandemic. You know, Chicken Little. Uh, you know, the sky is falling. The hobby's going to fall apart. Was March of last year. We're talking sixteen months ago. You know, Beckett's managed to stay open through thick and thin, basically, through all that. And now, you know, now, you know, Fauci is saying everything's great. All remain calm, all is well, and, and Beckett closes. I mean, it's just, it's odd, right? So I get it. I'm not trying to poo-poo it at all. Odd is a great word to describe it. Thank you. <laughs> After all that, it's odd. So let's 50, go through the data, okay? 57, 57% of the sales, baseball. 57%. Huge. Baseball, you said it all along from the first time we said anything about Star Stock, that baseball is going to kill on Star Stock because it is basically a daily fantasy platform. And you can see how people are performing. You'll see ups. You'll see downs. You'll see pitchers with no hitters. You'll see batters who come in and have two home runs. You'll see young players that are going to be called up. And look at that. 57% of the sales were baseball. You want to take a victory top, lap? Top five, Top five players by sales value. Luca Trey, Vlad Guerrero, Tatis. You called that. Uh-huh. You said these two guys are going to be pegged against each other the same way Luca and Trey are since they've come into the league. 
100 percent you want to take a victory lap and they're both playing i mean come on and luca and, and trey are in the playoffs trey might actually advance luca who knows All right luca's a little hurt vlad's having a great season tatis with any luck staying healthy the dude there are articles talking about a 50 50 season 50 home runs 50 steals he had a 16th home run last night. He's got double digits and steals. I mean, he's not exactly on pace, but he missed some time, missed a couple weeks there. So if he stays healthy, are people talking about 50-50 season, which would be ridiculous. But, if, I mean, he's got the wheels. He's got the power stroke. I guess if anybody could do it, that's somebody we could talk about doing it. That would be amazing. You talk about, you know, just two young guys who are showing out. Yeah, 100%. And then Ja Morant, man. Number five, don't, don't forget, our boy Ja. Zion, not to be seen, but Luca, Trey, Ja, Vlad, and Tatis. Look at that. I mean, you want to talk about Starstock's vision of having liquidity and having cards on their platform with liquidity? Are you going to find five, five more young, talented players with liquidity than that? Luca, Trey, Vlad, Vladdy Jr., Tatis, Ja. And I'm sure if we expanded that out, you'd have Acuna probably in the top 10 as well because he's like in the MVP race right now. I mean, he's just having an amazing season. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's cool stuff. Look at that data right there. That's 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 a top five list to be proud of. If I would be holding, if I was holding Jack cards, I would sell them. But it, it begs <laughs> me, it begs the question. So this is the question I've been having, and all this time I've said Lucas head and shoulders above Trey. But what do you think that that multiplier should be? And, and my my curiosity is like I'm looking up right now the Vlad to Tatis multiplier, but the the Luca to Trey multiplier. I think that's got to get closer to one to one, right? Right um, now, it can't be three to one like it's been for a long time. We've probably had that conversation ten times in three hundred and fifty episodes, and the the answer that I always settle onto is it's always going to fluctuate. And right now, Trey's performance vis a vis um, Luca and Trey's team performance, which looks like they might advance to the second round, and you know, right now. I'm not so sure you'd say the same about Dallas. Plus, Luca looks a little injured. Um, you can understand why people might be looking at at Trey's stuff um, a little closer to Luca. One to one, I wouldn't say that. Like Luca's a more complete closer player. to one to one. But yeah, I mean, but we've seen it four or five to one, not just three to one. We've seen it four or five to one. You know what I mean? So, so definitely the you know right now if you know you run those things the same way it's a little bitcoin and ethereum you know i mean they're you know they're gonna do one of those kind of things and you know i get it i really do um and and look trey his cards are down they're still down tremendously right they're still down people i'm um, people once you lose that hobby momentum it's very hard to get it back but you're well, right in a, we're in a down market too which yep. it's tough to pick winners in a down market what, what what would what, what do you what do you make of the down market? Like you would think that PSA being closed down, less inventory, so cards would go up, but but that's counterintuitive. What what are you making of this? Like how much longer is there gonna be a down market? If you had to predict no gun to your head, none of that, you know, would you be buying into the star stack index now? Would you be waiting a little bit? How, give us a little macro cage before we get okay. into so here's a couple minutes. Gonna take a couple minutes, but here is producer clip this. Okay, here's your clippable moment. So if you're paying attention to the podcast, here's your here's your pay attention. All right, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Okay, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. And I actually like that Beckett and PSA are ripping the band-aid off and looking to make it better, even though they realize short term it's gonna get worse before it gets better. And I think the same thing goes for the hobby. And I think with that, with the closing of PSA, with the raising the prices, with the closing of Beckett, um, you know, with that closing of retail, with Target and Walmart not allowing people to flip, we are going to lose a segment of the hobby. The retail flippers, the people who were just in this, the people who were riding it up and only saw it go up. And I'll use an example, um, a Top Shot example, right? You know, back in February, this Cool Cats master uh, started and everybody was going crazy. Tyler Hero's Cool Cat moment was selling for over a thousand dollars. It's like twelve dollars right now. Okay, over a thousand dollars down to twelve dollars. Right. The I bring the Cool Cats up because today is the day that people who have been collecting this master challenge to get the Lamelo moment have held twenty nine moments. 
right? They do challenges upon challenges. They had to buy these moments from Devin Booker in the beginning, Luca, the first one, all the way up to Steph Curry and 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 the Joker and all. It's like a big thing. It's like a sense of pride. You know, let, we're going to complete this master challenge. And the master challenge got completed today and everybody got their moments. And people are already undercutting the hell out of each other on the LaMelo prize that they got. They're selling it for a couple hundred bucks each, $500, $600. So as long as that's going on, as long as we have that race to the bottom, that people who are in it quick flip trying to get their money and get out, and they're only there for the uh, you know that ride up. And as soon as the rocket ship towards the moon makes a slight left turn, makes it look like it's going to start to come back towards Earth a little bit, you got a lot of people that jump off the rocket ship. A lot of people that jump off, right? Maybe they jump to the next rocket ship that's flying by. That rocket ship might be called Bored Apes or Crypto Punks or uh, Camels or Zed Horses or Tickets. I have no idea what they're going to jump to next. But you know what? Get on that other rocket and get off cards. And as soon as the card rocket is filled with people who are here with a combination of collecting and investing in mind, with a longer-term view, with an understanding that this hobby's been here for a long time, and it never really has had that straight shot up that it's had for the last 18 months. People who are not expecting that to continue, but will understand that this is a legitimate asset class that will grow over time. Once we're back to that, we've gotten through that initial pain. There's a little bit of a downwards, I think we're going to pick back up. But like I said, it's going to take a little bit of pain in the beginning. Right, it's gotta get worse before it gets better. I think uh, not an issue, but maybe just an observation. When things are going up, you have recurring cash flow because you could sell out of a card at any moment. You're in profit, so you don't mind. So you have consistent cash flow. When things are going down, you're tied up in your assets. You don't want to sell them for pennies on the dollar. But the issue becomes not the investment; it's the cash flow. Whether you need that cash flow to live off of or reinvest. So you know what's. When comps keep going up and everything's good, you're right. I mean, cash flow is a huge thing, right? But you know what else comes with it, right? When when the when the market's bad, you get a lot of bad taste. You know, more posts out there of negativity. There are a lot more posts of cynicism. You get a lot more people at card shows who are, um, you know, that's last. That comes from three months ago. It used to be, you know, no matter what you paid at the card show, next month is going to be worth more anyway. And I got this bargain, and look what I got, and I bought this for this much, and now it's going up. Now you're seeing, oh, man, the Dallas show. Everybody wanted comps from Golden's auction in February. People are nuts. People are holding on to their cards. Now you don't have the sales. You don't have the cash flow, like you say. You don't have the liquidity of these cards. Um, and then you get all of the geniuses who were right about every single play they made last year. Now the geniuses are telling people, well, you should be in low pop. You should be in RPAs. What do you mean you don't have $50,000 to buy a Luca <laughs> RPA? Of course, you have to have that. I mean, come on. I mean, so bad. Well, here's what I would do. I would get scrappy. I would go back to the basics, and I would find adjacent ways to make money, whether that's on card supplies, whether that's on selling old household items from the basement. And I would use that money to in reinvest into the dip. That would be my move. I would create like a, create a small little card supply business on the side. I would hustle and do like the trash talk, go to the bazaar. I would go to the basement and see what are some items I haven't used in a while. I What are some jerseys, you know? Maybe I have some old jerseys that, that are selling for a premium now that weren't. I would sell ancillary things and reinvest and kind of dollar cost average. That would be my play. Maybe not now. I would maybe wait a week or two. Like I agree with you. It's going to get worse till it gets better. I think it's going to be kind of one of those summers if you really think about it. Uh, but I fully believe that next November, December, January, we're going to be back picking things up. That seems like a long time from now. Uh, it'll be here before yeah. you know it. It'll, it'll, be, be, it'll be, be here before you know it. So what uh, am I so going to tell be my people, move. right? What would I tell people during that time? You know, people who don't have a basement. You know, people who aren't going to run around the garage sales. I still think there's plenty of plays and cards to enjoy yourself and also probably make a little bit of money. Um, somebody out there is smart enough to already be looking at my strategy of free agents because Gary Trent made the top performer list, Gary Trent Jr., right? So there's other ways of doing this. Take a look at the data out there. Look at the star stock stuff and look who's down, right? So Mikhail Bridges. I might take a flyer on somebody like that. 
right? He's down. His prices are down. And if the team advances, now with Anthony Davis being out, maybe he has a big game in the in the next week, right? Starstock provides this opportunity to kind of do cards with a daily fantasy for people who are actually watching the games, enjoying this, and seeing something in these players, right? DeAndre Hunter also made the top three list of worst performers, right? Well, you know what? It certainly looks like that Hawks team is probably going to advance. I'm going to say guaranteed, but they're up 3-1. The odds are in their favor. Maybe DeAndre Hunter shows up in one of those games, and you're now buying him for pennies on the dollar. The downside on something like that that's beaten up, maybe it's not a bottom dweller. Maybe it's not catching a falling knife. But those are the opportunities in a down market where someone is not just down the normal price from being down in a down market, but in addition to that, they're also being beaten up because their performance hasn't been there. But it's just going to take one one to turn around. Look who the worst performer is this past well, week. Well, I, I was just going to say, guys, so Cage was reading off um, why I brought up Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Hunter. They're on the worst performer list. But he omitted, for whatever reason, for maybe a little bit of humor, uh, Michael Porter no, Jr. Who's been... I don't I don't like rubbing anything in, man. I mean, you know, it is what it is, you know? So, yes, the worst performer <laughs> in, all of, in all of sports cards, the worst performer on Star Stock this week is Michael Porter Jr. And that's, that's rubbing it in how? That's data to the world, to the to the card collecting community, who no matter what, Mike. So they so used to call John Gotti Teflon Don, right? Because nothing would stick to him, right? Couldn't stick the case to him. Doesn't make a difference, right? By so, the way, I'm yeah. watching some mafia interviews, and it's it's freaking awesome. I'm glad you went with John Gotti. I just watched um, his underboss. Why, why can't I remember his name? Which one? Sammy the Bull Gravano. Yeah, Sammy the Volgravana. That was a good one. It was a Patrick Bet David. We had him on the show. Interview Sammy the Volgravana. It, so, it was freaking awesome, man. They live a cool life. I'm not going to lie. Sammy. Uh, Sorry. Well, listen, I have some stories. John Gotti, Teflon Don. Go ahead. Sorry. Sammy's house was not that far away from mine in Staten Island. Um, yeah. So in any event, it's, it's, it's the point. Michael Porter Jr., he's Teflon. Like the guy could score three points. It doesn't matter. People are going to come up with an excuse. Oh, you know. <laughs> he only had three points that game because it was a blowout and, you know, they took him out of the game or, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, it only, he only scored three points that game because he wasn't wearing his lucky pair of shoes, you know, tied in a specific manner that his mom told him to tie him when he was three years old. Uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr., he, you know, he, his, his cards aren't really down. You know, you, you can't really look at just that one card. If you look at this card that I own, it's actually up. Okay. All right, Michael Porter Jr. gonna be the MVP, down fifty one point three percent. Can we clarify? Because I don't want any hate mail. Like, the, but here's the thing: you what Cage is doing is take, Cage is taking my one statement about saying that he has Durant like talent and he's gonna be a future MVP, and he's just extrapolating all the crazy stuff he reads on no. the internet. All yes, the time. yes, all on you. But here's ready for this. You ready for this, Lucasation? <laughs> if he's really down fifty percent, buy him. Buy him. Because his team is likely moving on. And you, you think so? What? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to move on. I do. I do. And it's going to be a good game tonight. Uh, but at 50%, even if they don't, people are expecting big things out of him last year. If you could buy somebody at a discount who has potential upside, why the heck not? And maybe he shows up tonight's game, right, and scores 50 because he's going to be the MVP, right? He's Kevin Durant-like, right? He cannot be stopped. You can only hope to contain him. He's MPJ. I mean, he's like the second coming. He walks on water. He turns bread into something and water and wine and all these great things with the fishes. I mean, he's Michael Porter Jesus. I mean, Junior. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I mean, like, come on now. So, Look anyway. at the nation. We have a basic mantra. It's actually like we just ask each other like to make sure we're staying on it. Like, are you having fun? <laughs> And I could just tell that I didn't have to ask Cage. He was having fun with that. I was having a lot of fun with that, 100%. I took a Michael Porter Jr. card to the card show with me. No, nobody wanted it. So, but, <laughs> but, so listen, point being, guys, back on it, right? We've talked about ways to play this stuff. Look at who's gotten beaten up. Do you know who the number one top performer this week on Starstock is? I have mentioned him in literally every single Starstock episode we've done because he's either in the worst performers or the top performers. And you could literally one week buy him when he's down and the next week sell him when he's up. Every single week we've done this. Kobe White is up 46%. Why? 
what's Kobe White doing? Did he win an eating competition somewhere? I mean, he's not even playing. Why is he up 46%? I have no idea. But he's up. And next week, guess what, guys? Even though he won't be playing, next week he'll be down. He's up 30% more than anybody else. Markel Fultz is the next guy on that list of 15%. I mean, and Fultz, by the way, it's another example. Three weeks ago, that was a person who was down. He fell off a clip, was down 50% on the worst performers list. And Sam, who, guys, make sure you listen to Sam's segment here. He's always got really good takes on the stuff. Sam pointed out Markel Fultz and said, the guy didn't play the whole year, he's injured. What's the justification for him being down 50% this week over last? And if you bought in at that dip, he's now been on the top performer list twice since then. So that is a way to play this stuff, right? So even though we're talking about how there's going to be some pain in the market, how there's going to be some some short-term continued downward trend before we clean this up and start moving upward, right? Even though you're going to have that. There are ways to play this. There are guys who are bargains. There are guys who have been beaten up for no reason whatsoever, and you can grab them and ride them back up. The positive part for me about Starstock, because this is a Starstock episode, is there's more activity. There's more cards on Starstock. There's more parallels. There was more buying and selling and movement. And I fully, fully believe, guys, you're gonna be, you're gonna be repaid in in, in mass when. Uh, when you get into a bull market with Starstock, I fully believe that Starstock is going to be crushing when there's a bull market. But Cage, I'm curious. You've been through cycles. What would mm-hmm. you say to people who are a little discouraged? It's going to pick up. Just like it couldn't go up continuously, it's also not going to go down continuously. I know that's a gambler's fallacy, right? You know, If it keeps landing on black, let's bet on red because eventually it's going to be on red. But this is not a spin of roulette. These are actual assets. It is an asset class. These things will put floors in. And I think just to stick with my gambling, you know, analysis or analogy here, it's there are ways to bet smart. There are ways to, you know, to, um, you know, tip the scales in your favor. And in cards more than, than, than in, in the casino, educating yourself. Watching the games, learning about the players, using the resources that are out there will allow you to make a play. I'm going to call it a gamble, but make a play on something, even in a down market, where you can you know, tip the scales in your favor. Just look at the data we have here, right? The worst performer list. The worst performer list. Right there in the middle, down 34% from last week, is Lou Bob, Lewis Robert, right? Now, he was injured last week, and he's injured this week, Right? For him to be beat up 34% makes no sense. Right? He's out for a long time. We knew last week he was out for a long time. We knew this week he was out for a long time. He didn't go to the plate 40 times and strike out 35 of them. There's no reason right now to justify that other than he's a very liquid card. A lot of people put his cards into Starstock, and they're now trying to buy some football cards. And one of the easiest way to move their portfolio around was to sell some liquid Lou Bobs in order to buy their Josh Allen cards this week or their Lamar Jackson cards or whatever it may be. And that's an opportunity, guys. So Lewis Robert, down 34%, maybe he doesn't play this year. He's going to play next year. And he's going to get the ball out of the park. And he's going to be doing what he does. And he's going to be back riding high, tops in the hobby, and you will have bought his card at a discount. If you're a bigger fan of Eloy Jimenez, he was also down 34%, right? If you're a believer in the Astros, cheaters, I mean Astros, Bregman was down 30%. Yep. That was funny, buddy? You like that? So Bregman's huge. I mean, Bregman's a you know, perennial um, MVP frontrunner right there, down 30%. You know who else was funny, even though he's one of the higher-valued guys? He didn't make the top three list, but if you're reading these numbers a little bit, down 20%. Juan Soto. Juan Soto down 20%, right? And he, he will start to heat up again as well. His team's not playing well. They've been losing pretty often. But that's a guy, he's so young, where it's another person who you can buy at a discount. You know, that's a buying a blue chip at a discount for, for, for you know, while the market is going down. You know, that's what I'd be doing. That's, you know, find a player you like, figure out a way, 
of what you're going to do for the next three months, right? Here's what my pie of investing is going to be, right? I'm going to invest $1,000 over the next three months. Let's slice it down the middle. 50% is going to be high risk, high reward. 50% is going to be low risk, steady growth, you know, beaten up guys. Or, or 33% high risk baseball prospects. 33% goat guys. 33 You're on me, brother. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's it. That's, that's the deal, man. That's uh, that's what I would do. figure out and figure out a way to split up that portfolio that makes sense to you. Guys, okay, stay tuned for Conrad's section. I'll say this. You know, I'm sure you've seen in the last year or so there's a ton of different content creators, right? But what I've noticed, and we had Hoops and Cards on, and he made a good point about this. Guys, check him out. Hoops and Cards is going to be on the come up with Cage next week. Awesome guy named Gary. All these content creators, they talk to different communities. So, like, let's just use sports card nonsense as an example. I'm, I'm in their Facebook page, big fan of Jesse, big fan of Mike. Well, their audience is completely different from ours. Their audience is a lot of people just joining the hobby. Like day one, just learning. They might have even bought a card because these guys came from the ringer, different audience, right? Well, why do I say that? They're, despite everything you're seeing, there's so much new money coming in. There's so many people coming in and buying cars for the first time. They're, they're coming in and they have kids and they're going to go to shows. It's not big money. It's not like Rob G comes in and drops $5.2 million on a mantle. That's his first ever card buy. It's the little guy. But those little guys add up and they, they taste it. They enjoy it. They have a good time. And over time, that accumulates. They tell their neighbor. They tell their friend. They tell their enemy. So despite <laughs> what you've seen, I'm glad you like that. If I know it's a successful episode if Cage thinks I'm funny. Yeah, man. Uh, no, that's funny. Well, you're going to be funny if you use my jokes. But so, so <laughs> I mean, positivity. So the one other thing I didn't throw in there, yeah, it's great to have a plan, right? It's great to do the whole deal. But you know what else? While it's a downturn, you know what else you could do? Help somebody. Help somebody in the hobby, right? Somebody who, who, you know, who needs a hand up. Somebody who um, you know, wants to trade. You know, go look on stories. Oh, I got this one available. Maybe make a trade. Maybe trade something in and out of your stuff. Um, you know, find somebody who got into the hobby last year who maybe, you know, you brought in and, um, you know, figure out a way to help them with their collection, right? There's always fun ways of doing that, right? I mean, a couple of my friends, I got them into Top Shot, you know, and now they're like, what do I do? Well, you know what? Spend 20 minutes, chat about it. What's your long-term goal? What do you think about this? Where are you now? You know, how much are you up? How much are you down? You know, do you just want to break even? Do you want to cash out now? You know, wh where do you want to be in six months? Have those conversations, you know? I think it's important that we try to help folks out in the hobby. It builds up that community. It builds up that fun. And I'll say it right here on this episode, guys. We have groups. We have a million of these things. But I know there's plenty out there who have a bunch of questions about the hobby, a bunch of questions about your own collection, a bunch of questions because it's not that easy anymore. This was easy for a while, and it's just not easy anymore. But you know what we have? We have an entire community. Luca Nation is here to help you out, not just Andrew and myself. We'd love to get you in a group. We can chat about your cards, chat about your collection, chat about where you think you want to go with it. Get in there with a bunch of people like-minded who are going through the exact same thing as you. Don't be afraid. Reach out. We're here to help. Luca Nation, it is Conrad here, and I'm back with, um, of course, you know, my, my uh, star stock segment, uh, dissecting the Emerging 30 Index. And so for those of you that want to get access to the entire index, rather than, of course, just the couple of players that I will uh, be covering today, then what you do is you can go to starstock.com, scroll all the way down on their homepage until you see NBA Emerging 30. You can click view the index, and then once it loads, you can organize it either by the highest valued cards or by the top performers, so in which case I'm going with the top performers. And, uh, you know, then you'll have access to every single person or every single player on this list. And the first guy that I'm going to be talking about is Kobe White. Overall, it's nothing really huge, so I don't have a ton to talk about with as far as he goes, but I just wanted to point out the fact that he took a 46.2% jump from $6.50 to $9.50. Obviously, I think this was caused by the fact that his cards had hit a recent all-time low. As you can see, uh, the, the card had not even been close to $6 any time before, you know, the past couple of weeks. So prices were kind of rebounding. People decided that now was the time to buy. And so while, yes, once again, I got to turn off my phone. 
Uh, but yes, once again, while 46.2% does seem like a massive jump, overall, the dollar value change is not really that high um, when you really dig into things. Overall, I, I, I overall expected to see more playoff guys or more playoff performers in the uh, positive side or on the green um, in the emerging 30 this week. But overall, the only guy that we're actually seeing is John Collins. And I think one of the biggest reasons for that was his recent performance, um, I think in game four, it was against the Knicks. Uh, he had like a 20-point performance. He'd been fouling out of all the rest of the games relatively early, so he wasn't getting a ton of playing time, but now he finally did in game four. Uh, I think he scored 20 points. The team's now up 3-1 to one against uh, three one against the Knicks, and prices are still super or pretty low in comparison to where they've been before, so people are kind of deciding this is where the new floor is as we're kind of getting through this correction period uh, for the whole sports card market, not just base cards. And one guy that really took a massive drop-off, in my opinion, well, not in my opinion you can see the numbers right here a, a that really took a massive jump drop off was michael porter jr his cards went from 74 dollars to 36 which is a 51.3 percent dip um i kind of expected a bit of a dip because his performances weren't amazing right if that makes any sense he'd been playing very well the past couple of weeks leading up to the playoffs but his game didn't get to like the next level if that makes any sense right he's basically averaging about the same if not a little bit less than what he was averaging um, during the regular season or during the last couple of weeks during the regular season. And overall, people were kind of like, okay, we were expecting more and prices are going to dip if he's not taking his game to the next level because, of course, that price or the speculation of him taking his game to the next level was kind of already baked into his card prices for, you know, the past couple of weeks. Um, but still seeing a 51, like seeing prices get slashed in half is very, very, very surprising. Um, I most certainly could not have called that or expected that. I want to just point out the fact that Jarrett Allen has now hit $3 uh, this week at a 40% uh, dip over the past week, which is crazy. Uh, that's that's by far pretty much the lowest card that we have honestly ever seen on this index. And for those of you that want to, you know, just make a quick flip, I would probably look at those Jared Allen cards at this price um, because people are going to realize, hey, his cards are really cheap. I'm going to buy them now and then just flip them later because honestly, how much lower can they get? So um, if prices haven't risen already by the time that you guys are listening to this, I would definitely consider checking those out. Uh, it's looking like a really good price at the moment. Um, a couple of other guys that I'll point out, Rui Hachimura took a 33.3% uh, dip this week. He's now hit $6. He actually just recently hit a dagger against the uh, 76ers, which finally gave the Washington Wizards their first playoff win this year. Um, very, very impressive from him overall. His stats aren't quite as great as many people were hoping. He hadn't really taken the jump this year as people had hoped. Um, but he's been playing solid throughout the rest of the playoffs. And um, overall, I'm not shocked that his prices are continuing to dip. Um, he just has not been playing. He, he, it's not that he's been playing poorly, but he's just not playing at, at a higher level than people expected him to, or at the level that people expected him to, which of course kind of makes it a disappointing season for him. Um, I, in a similar situation right now is RJ Barrett. His prices were pretty much at their recent highs uh, at $41 last week, and they've officially dipped 24.7% to $30.89. And easily the biggest reason for that is, is his playoff performance, right? People were looking at him and they were thinking, you know what? Uh, it's his second year. He's looked really good this season. The Knicks are one of the most exciting and most fun teams to watch in the entire NBA. He's very young. Uh, he was one of the best prospects coming out of high school. I think that he could play very well in the playoffs and obviously in the future, but he has been really, really, really bad, um, especially shooting a three ball, which is which is not very good for a team that is overall struggling during the entire playoff series. Derrick Rose is pretty much the best player on the entire team, and He's not exactly at MVP levels anymore, which should kind of be telling you something right there. Um, and and so obviously it's very similar to what we've been discussing this entire time so far, where speculation uh, or prices had speculative. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Just it had speculation baked in, right? People were expecting him to perform well during the playoffs, so prices rose, pretty much hit their uh, highs. He didn't meet those expectations, and so now prices are kind of falling back to reality. Um, you know, now that his game has fallen back to reality, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, one guy that I will point out is Lowry Markinen at $6 and 50 cents of the lowest price that we've seen him at recently. I know that cage, uh, of course, my wonderful co-host or uh, wonderful partner 
uh, that I get to work with, Case Lawyer, he gave out Larry Marketing as a possible recommendation. I'm not going to say I'm recommending him, but I will say he has very valid reasoning as to why you should buy him, especially considering that his prices have officially hit an all-time low and they have not moved it in the entire week's period, uh, which is something that we typically see happen, right? Prices hit a low and people take notice. Then people decide we're going to buy him and prices go up just a little bit in sort of a recovery period, if that makes any sense. And um, his prices have still stayed the same. Now, the reason that Cage gave and the reason that I would only give to buy Lowry marketing cards would be if he gets traded. The Bulls have not offered him a contract extension this offseason. Uh, they're kind of disappointed in his play. He's not hasn't really become the fantastic player that people were hoping he could be. Um, he's basically just a spot-up shooter at the four position, doesn't even provide you good defense or playmaking or anything like that, basically just catch-and-shoot threes, and that's just about all he can do. Right. And so they're probably going to trade him or he may sign with a new team in the offseason. And that could get people excited. He's a young player. He's going to a new situation. Prices rise really quickly. And boom, all of a sudden you have an opportunity to make some money if you buy in early enough. And in my opinion, at this price, it may be early enough to buy in on Lowry marketing cards, especially looking back at some of his previous prices, um, even during a market correction like what we're experiencing now. Overall, I don't really have anything else to say. I'm just going to give this another quick look over and make sure that there's no one else that I really wanted to talk about. And uh, overall, there really isn't. Actually, I'll talk about one other guy real quick is uh, DeAndre Ayton. I think that at $18, I'm not saying he's a fantastic buy, but he's been playing very, very well during the playoffs. And if he can continue this sort of play during the regular season, then I think that at $18, his cards have some real nice potential upside overall if his prices are continuing to dip. And that was understandable. Prices pretty much are dipping across the board. We're experiencing a market correction. Um, so, you know, you, you should be taking every single pick right now with a grain of salt because we don't know for sure what's going to happen with the market. It looks like we might be finally hitting kind of a plateau point, but it, it, in this day and age, and especially in the current year of sports cards, you really have no clue, right? But he's been playing very, very aggressive basketball just throughout these, you know, first four games of the playoffs, which is something that he has struggled with a lot throughout the regular season. And if this is officially like who he's becoming, then that is great because every time he is aggressive and he actually, well, and he's, he's attacking the basket. He's playing good defense on the inside. The, uh, the Suns overall are a much better team. And of course his statistics reflect that as well. His statistics are much better and he looks much better on paper, um, which is of course pretty good for card prices, right? So that's all I had for you guys today. There's no one else that I really wanted to talk about. I hope you guys are all, you know, doing very well, staying safe out there. Uh, thank you, of course, for listening to my segment, and I will see you guys next week. This episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color-coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Luca's Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.